Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Children of Christ podcast. Today's episode is on anger and what to do with it. Remember, if you like what you hear, to subscribe on your platform of choice and share with all of your friends. Let's get started. So we all get angry. It just happens to the best of us. No matter how hard we try, it seems that someone can always rub us the wrong way every once in a while. And that's totally okay. Anger is a natural response. What isn't okay, and what we'll be talking about today, is letting that anger control you. Let me set up a situation for you. There are two friends, right? Their names are friend A and friend B. Because creativity. Friend A does something that makes friend B angry, like, um, uh, taking her goldfish. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, and friend B is really angry because goldfish tastes good and she worked really hard for those goldfish. And friend A just up and take them. Yeah, you just took them. What a jerk. So what does friend B do? Well, first she goes on to Instagram and find, finds friend A's account and takes him off of her best friends list. Then she devises a plan. She knows that friend A walks home from school the same way every day, so she pays the school bully to make an elaborate plan to beat up friend A as he walks home. It works. Hooray, the end, right? Well. This is where my story splits. It's like a choose-your-own-adventure book, but you don't get to choose, I do. So, it turns out that friend A was evicted and went through their parents' divorce in the same close span of time and had no food and was real hungry and needed those goldfish. So now, you see, we have a case of acting out and not controlling our anger when we don't know the full problem. And I hope you see the wrong in this. Sure, friend A shouldn't have stolen the goldfish and really could have handled the situation better. But given the circumstances, should revenge have been taken by friend B? The answer that I hope most of you came to is no, and you are of course correct. But let me give you another scenario. What if friend A isn't going through a hard time? and is a toxic friend that only uses friend B for her value as a stepping stone to get friend A to where he wants to be, abusing her and crushing her into a state of near depression. Are friend B's actions now justified? The answer for most of you is a bit more complicated now. Or maybe it's a straightforward yes. But to answer these questions, we can turn our book to today and every day, the Bible. Our first reading comes from 1 Samuel chapter 25, verse 2, and goes on for quite a while, so just bear with me. Alright, so let's start the reading. Then David moved down into the wilderness of Maon. There was a wealthy man from Maon who owned property near the town of Carmel. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, and it was sheep shearing season. This man's name was Nabal, and his wife, Abigail, was a sensible and beautiful woman. 
but Nabal, descendant of Caleb, was crude and mean in all of his dealings. When David heard that Nabal was shearing his sheep, he sent ten of his young men to Carmel with this message for Nabal. Peace and prosperity to you, your family, and everything you own. I am told that it is sheep shearing time. While your shepherds stayed among us near Carmel, we never hurt, harmed them, and nothing was ever stolen from them. Ask your own men, and they will tell you that this is true. So would you be kind to us, since we have come in a time of celebration? Please share any provisions you might have on hand with us and with your friends David. David's young men gave this message to Nabal and David's name, and they waited for a reply. Who is this fellow David? Nabal sneered to the young men. Who does this son of Jesse think he is? There are lots of servants these days who run away from their masters. Should I take my bread and my water and meat that I've slaughtered for my shearers and give it to a band of outlaws who comes from who knows where? So David's young men returned and told him what Nabal had said. Get your swords, was David's reply as he strapped on his own. Then 400 men started off with David and 200 remained behind to guard the equipment. Meanwhile, one of Nabal's servants went to Abigail and told her, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, but he screamed insults at them. These men have been very good to us, and we never suffered any harm from them. Nothing was stolen from us the whole time that they were with us. In fact, day and night they were like a wall of protection to us in the sheep. You need to know this and to figure out what to do, for there is going to be trouble for our master and his whole family. He is so ill-tempered that no one can even talk to him. Abigail wasted no time. She quickly gathered 200 loaves of bread, two wineskins full of wine, five sheep that had been slaughtered, near, nearly a bushel of roasted grain, 100 clusters of raisins, and 200 fig cakes. She packed them on donkeys and said to her servants, Go on ahead, I will follow you shortly. But she didn't tell her husband what she was doing. As she was riding her donkey into a mountain ravine, she saw David and his men coming towards her. David had just been saying, a lot of good it did to help this fellow. We protected his flocks in the wilderness, and nothing he owned was lost or stolen. But he has replied with evil. May God strike me and kill me, if even one man in his household is still alive tomorrow morning. When Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey and bowed low before him. She fell at his feet and said, I accept all blame in this matter, my lord. Please listen to what I have to say. I know Nabal is a wicked and ill-tempered man. Please don't pay any attention to him. He is a fool, just as his name suggests. But I never even saw the young man you sent. Now, my lord, as surely as the lord lives, and you yourself live, since the lord has kept you from murdering and taking vengeance into your own hands, let all your enemies and those who try to harm you be cursed as Nabal is. And here is a present that I, your servant, have brought to you and your young men. Please forgive me if I have offended you in any way. The Lord will surely reward you with a lasting dynasty, for you are fighting the Lord's battles, and you have not yet done wrong throughout your entire life. Even when you are chased by those who seek to kill you, your life is safe in the care of the Lord your God, secure in his treasure pouch, but the lives of your enemies will disappear like stones shot from a sling. When the Lord has done all he promised and has made you the leader of Israel, don't let this be a blemish on your record. Then your conscience won't have to bear the staggering burden of needless bloodshed and vengeance. And when the Lord has done these great things for you, please remember me, your servant.
David replied to Abigail, Praise the Lord, God of Israel, who has sent you to meet me today. Thank God for your good sense. Bless you for keeping me from murder and from carrying out vengeance with my own hands. For I swear by the Lord, the God of Israel, who has kept me from hurting you, that if you had not hurried out to meet me, not one of Nabal's men would still be alive tomorrow morning. Then David accepted her present and told her, Return home in peace. I have heard what you said. We will not kill your husband. When Abigail arrived home, she found that Nabal was throwing a big party and was celebrating like a king. He was very drunk, so she didn't tell him anything about her meeting with David until the dawn of the next day. In the morning when Nabal was sober, his wife told him what happened, and as a result, he had a stroke, and he lay paralyzed on his bed like a stone. About ten days later, the Lord struck him, and he died. Whew! That is a lot of reading. Uh, if you want to read that yourself, that's once again 1 Samuel chapter 25, starting with verse 2, and it pretty much just goes on from there. There wasn't any spaces. But, out of all of that, out of everything that we've said, what should be taken away? So, the first, there, there are two, there are two things that I want to take away from this, two main things. The first is that vengeance is a sin, which may bring up the question why, especially in terrible circumstances. Well, instead of using vengeance, let's look at it this way. God sees every act and reaction. So in our example, is it okay to beat someone up? Is it okay to steal from someone? Obviously not. So why would it suddenly be considered okay if someone else did it first? So what if someone did it to you? Sure, it hurt when it happened, but what makes you so special that you are the judge of other people's actions? What if someone halfway across the world got punched? Would you go and punch another person because of it? Just because it wasn't you doesn't make it any different. The fact that it was one person doing something to you is irrelevant. They sinned, and in God's eyes, there's no connection or justification for punching them back. Hurting another person, whether they struck you first or not, is still a sin, because you struck another person. The only connection is that if you don't take revenge into your own hands, then you become thoroughly better than that person. Jesus straight up says this in Matthew 5:38. You have heard the law that says the punishment must be match the injury, an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Give to those who ask, and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. Basically, looking especially at the first part of giving of revenge eye for an eye, he's basically saying that if you are giving more instead of taking back, then you are a better person. Let me just give the hard truth to you. You are not special enough to be condemning people for their actions. You just aren't. You are not God. That is his job. He does not need you to help him. So therefore, you should not take vengeance on another person because it is not your job. It's still a sin because you're still harming another person. But 
that brings up the question then, what, what do you do? How do you defend yourself? That brings us to lesson two. You don't have the power to judge people, but the Lord does. This was shown in the story when God just went and killed that dude. But is God going to kill your enemies? No. Well, at least probably not. But as long as you, yes, it all comes back to once again you using sinful tactics for revenge, as long as you are not going against God's word because the other person did too, then the Lord will complete his will for you and take revenge for you. Note, I said sinful tactics. Don't let people berate you with, like, evil and, like, you know, just don't let people make fun of you. You can stand up for yourself. You just don't want to, like, let your anger take over and take revenge in a way that would be frowned upon. But Owen, you say, I've already done something bad. What should I do? Well, guess what? The Bible is the new Wikipedia for your problems because my boy Jesus has got you. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 21, he says this, You have heard that our ancestors were told, You must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar, go and be reconciled to that person, then come and offer your sacrifice to God. When you are on the way to the court with your adversary, settle your differences quickly, otherwise your accuser may hand you over to the judge who will hand you over to an officer and you will be thrown in a prison. And if that happens, you surely won't be free again until you've paid the last penny. So, as I said in the beginning, the anger displayed here is not the human emotion that we have all the time and cannot help. Or it's not that we just can't have anger anymore, it's not like a Chrome browser extension or something. It's talking about the harmful, uncontrolled anger. Besides that, this is pretty self-explanatory. Obviously, we don't pray at altars and stuff anymore, but that's not the point. The point is, what you need to do is ask for forgiveness as soon as possible from not only God, but almost, if not equally important, the person you have wronged, even if you think it was your fault. Yes, it is required that you ask forgiveness from the person. I recommend face-to-face -face for max sincerity. It doesn't matter what they say back to you, you just need to apologize before asking God's forgiveness too. If you don't believe in God yet, first of all, kudos to you for making it this far. Secondly, ask the person's forgiveness anyway, it'll make you a better person. But Owen, you shout at me again, how do I stop from getting angry? Well, I have an answer from you coming from, you guessed it, the Bible. This time from Proverbs chapter 15 verse 1. A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. Now, you can spend time trying to find spiritual and hidden meanings in that and I won't stop you, but just take this at face value for a second. Try to continue to have a high-spirited argument with someone that never raises their voice. It becomes one of two things, either very one-sided with one person yelling and ending up just arguing with themselves and making a fool out of themselves. or 
both people stop arguing altogether, and the situation diffuses quickly. Try it, it's a very effective method. But, remember, you cannot use a mocking tone or it ends up just as bad as raising your voice. That about wraps everything up for today, and I've found you a verse to take with you throughout the week until our next episode. And this verse comes from Proverbs again. This is Proverbs 12, verse 16. A fool is quick-tempered, but a wise person stays calm when insulted. Thank you for watching, everyone. Well, there you go, everyone. I hope you liked today's episode. Remember to subscribe and share on your platform of choice if you enjoyed listening to me today. If you want to stay up to date with everything about this podcast, you can follow us on Instagram at the Children of Christ Podcast with a dot between each word, or on Twitter at the Children of C1. If you want to leave me a voice message, then you can use the anchor link provided in the description. You can also use that link to share the podcast with your friends. It has all of the podcasts for free there, as well as all the links to other websites. That's it for today, so thank you for watching, and remember, we are all children of the Lord. See you next week.